0: Retro Rebels brought to you by timblegeek.com, your one-stop shop for all things geek. You can find all of our episodes and fulfill your sci-fi, fantasy, and geek culture related needs at timblegeek.com. Welcome to Retro Rebel Gamecast discuss gaming and related topics. Retro Rebel is released most Fridays, and you can find this episode and much more by heading to Peak.com or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Retro Rebel Podcast. My name is Stacy, and as, as always, is my, and it's my... <laughs> <and bye. laughs> as always, with me is my fellow Rebel co-host, Amanda. Hello.
1: I like that I didn't introduction know if you spoke better that. than usual. That, that was extra well, spicy.
0: That was that was for the those out there that speak uh, that particular language, <laughs> of which has it, no. It name. sounded
1: like some like Sim's language.
0: <laughs> it was Simlish for sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you should speak that then.
1: I I understood perfectly what you were saying.
0: <laughs> I thought so, but for everyone else out there, I wanted to translate. So, so what's been going on? We took a, a week hiatus, which tends to happen sometimes um, when things get busy. How are things?
1: Yeah. It's good. Uh, I have been playing Pokemon as per usual. (laughs) Um, It's now uh, week six of walking between 30 and 50 kilometers every single week, um, as confirmed by the app. So I know that I'm doing it. (laughs) Um, And I feel good. I mean, nothing really changes on the scale when that's the sort of thing that you're doing, but I feel better. I'm getting more vitamin D getting out in the sun. Um, so I think it's it's quite good for that. And yesterday, no, Saturday was Community Day. So the first Saturday in March was Community Day over here in the UK. So it was a uh, Fletchling Day. So we were catching tiny little birds all day. It was double XP for catches. You know, everybody was really active in the group. And even though we were in lockdown, there was like quite a community feel. Um and so yeah i was outside from 11 a.m to 3 p.m on saturday catching pokemon in the i would still say it's winter (laughs) yeah and i feel satisfied um did i purchase a gotcha which auto catches the pokemon when i can't catch them yes is it sort of cheating yes do i care no the point is to walk so i gotta be honest like That's what I care about, and I can't catch them if I stay in the same place. So,
0: okay, so explain what's a gotcha. I didn't because I hadn't played in a while.
1: So, a gotcha is a third party device, uh, which Uh. looks like a Fitbit and it connects to your Pokemon Go and makes your uh, game think that you have a Pokemon Go Plus. Which is something they sell and allow you to have. However, this thing takes it one step further. Instead of just alerting you when Pokemon are nearby, it'll just straight up catch them for you. Which is not something that's approved for them to...
0: Now, does it, it use your resources It or does, does it just literally gets It does,
1: it? does okay. use your resources. So you have to make sure that it can only use Red Balls. So you have to make sure you have plenty of Red Balls available um, and... You know, it can also spin Pokestops for you and stuff, um, but you kind of don't want it catching Pokemon that you've never caught before because its catch rate is not the best. Like, it's just basically uh. chucking red balls until it either runs away or it gets it. So, um, if you ever look at the journal to see its catch rate, it's pretty low. You could have done better yourself. However, right, um, you know it is very satisfying to just breeze through an area and just see it go swoop, 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 and just suck up the Pokemon. Like, that's very satisfying. And on a community day where you get a double XP for catches, it is super worth it. It catches it way faster than you could because you're trying for accuracy. It's just throwing it, yeah. So it catches Pokemon way faster than you ever could. Right. Um, and I got to be honest, I'm there to be walking about and it does mean less stopping and starting and more just straight up walking, which sort of is right. my goal. So for 30 quid, right. if that's your goal, I think it's worth it because at the end, when you get to a spot where you want to sit down and camp for a little bit, maybe it's got like six poker stops or something and you just want to get your red balls like replenished and stuff it is very satisfying seeing that you've caught a hundred Pokemon, do you know? Like, and you can go through the list and appraise them and da da da, level them up and what, and that's super satisfying. So I think I enjoy the organizational part more than the actual catching. So, (laughs) which says something about my age. And
0: personality too. I think the other is, is can be tedious and and frustrating and, you know, you had a goal and productivity, and how you define it. I think all that makes a lot of sense. So, what is the difference between that and what what um, the game uh, actually sells? Like the whatever the con- it
1: doesn't auto catch it for you. It just alerts you, and then you have to catch it with the wristband. You have to stop. So, it's not as good, and I don't think that one can spin Pokestops stops for you. So, okay. You know. that doesn't sound nearly as good it's not nearly as good at all so it's I don't I don't recommend that one to be honest I recommend the aftermarket third party well, bad I, boys. Don't,
0: I actually don't have any problem with what that one does then I mean it, it it isn't deficient at using your resources so that's on you and then you know but I can actually get some activity done some some structured activity done and catch some while I'm out there because that's kind of the most frustrating part. If you are walking is that you have to constantly stop and if you find one, but it's also, um, it's just a different end goal. I remember when it was big, when it first came out and it was big, maybe the close to the end of the first generation Pokemon and
1: 2016. uh, Yeah.
0: Yeah. So you would go. And if you were out in a public place back when that actually was a thing, People would uh, say, hey, there's such and such Pokemon over here. And then you'd see or you'd just see a bunch of people over in one spot. And that's where you'd go because, you would know, that was a, a hub or a place where it had spawned and uh, one that you probably needed.
1: Yeah.
0: And everybody went over there and got it. So
1: now that's cool. You can tell um, the device not to capture Pokemon that you have never captured before. Um, and you can tell it not to capture Pokemon that you already have. So you actually can tell it like don't spend Pokestops, don't capture things that I already have, don't capture things I don't have, depending on how you want to play, I've found, I just let it catch whatever. Yeah, but if I'm looking at something on the map and going for a specific Pokemon that's spawning in some place, I quickly tap on that Pokemon first before it gets to it so that that way it doesn't use 16 balls and then let it run away, which is sort of frustrating. But if I'm walking with my friend this is the one benefit that you don't have when you don't have this advice. When I'm walking with my friend, it's catching Pokemon for me and I'm having a conversation with her. Do you know? Like, I don't have to right. look at my phone. I don't have to think about it. You know, you know what I mean? Like, it's doing it yeah. at like maybe a 50% success rate, but it's doing it and I don't have to worry about it. And that's something that didn't happen before. So, you know. Yeah.
0: No, I, it's a different way of playing, and it. it wouldn't be the way I want to play it all the time, but I think that's pretty cool. Way to to get to use it and get some stuff done. So,
1: yeah. So, what have you been playing?
0: Well, I and I just put it in the notes. I'm I'm um a little ashamed to say I'm back on the Blizzard bandwagon, and I did spend I spent about sixty bucks on no. cards. For <laughs> yeah. Um, and I'll tell you exactly why. Okay, so I got to a point on Magic the Gathering where. The, uh, just the, the, the mechanics of, of that card game are, they are more advanced. And I said that from the beginning when I was talking about it a couple weeks ago is that I really enjoyed that part of it. Um, however, I got schooled and got my butt handed to me so many times in a row because I don't have the cards. I just don't have the cards. And so, uh, I was going to have to drop serious cash on the game to get enough cards because i wasn't getting them at the rate you need so that i could actually put together a legitimate deck and we're talking there are so many series of cards that i can draw from more than than hearth so so i was like well i i may want to do that one day i don't mind spending the money on it if it's something i'm going to put a lot of time in yeah um and i really I really do enjoy those games, you know? I mean, I can sit down and play a game for 15 minutes, finish a couple games maybe, and then leave and not feel like I've just sat and spun my wheels. I, I feel like I got something done, you know? Um, I mean, enjoy the time. A lot of games, I can't just start and stop. It's not like Fallout. You can't just... I don't even know where I am if I've only played 20 minutes in the last two weeks. I don't even know what's going on. So uh, so this way, I was able to... Um, Go back to a game that I that I did enjoy. Um, there was a ton of solo campaign stuff that you can do that I unlocked. There was a whole new character, like a, a new class. Demon Hunter was released since I played, and I didn't know that. So I went back and unlocked the Demon Hunter and got all their cards. Um, because I actually couldn't play a lot of the decks that I already built and couldn't build any new decks until I unlocked that character. So, um, And that was a pretty cool little campaign. Um then I dropped about 60 bucks on a couple sets and, uh, like 40 packs and then just opened them as fast as I could went to hearthone or Hearthpone and, uh, found a couple decks that I felt like I could build with whatever dust I had left, uh, and then built a couple. Uh, so I had three decks that I could play with and I always play with mage anyway. And, uh, and then I got after it and, um, they, the whole ranking system's changed. It's a little right. bit... I think you like it better. I think I like it better, but um, it's still... Still a little bit... I mean, I'm learning a, a lot. I mean, they changed the game a lot. So I came back to a relatively new game, but it was uh, familiar enough that I could kind of jump back in and play. So I have... <laughs> played it a lot the cool thing is is magic the gathering i think is moving to mobile as well so it's going to be on phones as well as the computer. oh yeah and that was kind of a, well that was a that was a hang up as well so it's like I, I couldn't play it i had to be tethered to the computer to play that game and there's just i'm just not sitting there unless i'm working that much so so this was good and I, i'm i said i was ashamed i'm really not i've <laughs> i enjoyed it i'm a I'm no Blizzard shield, but I definitely uh, have always enjoyed their products. That is not a secret. Just go listen to literally any other episode we've done. So,
1: yeah, that's no surprise.
0: <laughs> that's not a surprise. So, all right. So that brings us to the news. What kind of news you got? I, I, I had the one, but uh, I'll just elaborate on it. I think you've got it. To uh, anyway. I've got two in the news. The news reels. So should I go first? Oh, yeah, because mine is just elaborating on yours. Okay. I couldn't find anything else that I really cared to share.
1: Hmm. That's all right. I think we've got a lot of meat in our main topic.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think so, too.
1: Well, um, so my two pieces of news, though. The first one is that Epic Games has now acquired Tonic Games Group, which means right. that Fortnite now owns Fall Guys. So the two biggest video game internet sensations of the last, I don't know, 10 years? Um, With the exception of Among Us, but I mean, they could snap it up next for all we know. I mean, Fortnite, Fall Guys, and Among Us are like the big viral internet sensations. Like they're the games everybody's been playing. They're what the streamers play. Um, So the fact that Fortnite now owns Fall Guys parent company, uh, is a pretty big sweep up for Epic Games. It means that they're expanding. So it'll be interesting to see who they pick up next, in all honesty. Mm. Yuck. Yeah. Um, and then
0: Everything's going to be made by two companies.
1: <laughs> well, and it'll be interesting to see how their lawsuit against Apple and Google pans out. I mean, they are making big waves in the industry for better or worse. So... Right, We'll see how they get on. The next one is uh, Steam Darling Valheim now has more than 5 million players. Uh, it, That's huge. Yeah, it's become so popular because actually it's a Viking game, it's a survival game, and it doesn't have a hunger or thirst meter that will actually kill you. Like You get bonuses from doing the survival tropes, but they don't make you dead if you don't eat or drink or whatever they're more like buffs if you eat or drink if you're well rested it sort of works more like fallout buffs and less like oh i'm super thirsty and i'm gonna die um and i like that and it looks like it's become very popular because other people are just tired of the hyper realistic um hunger and thirst meters which are they really that realistic? If you look at how quickly they deplete versus how much you'd actually need to not eat or drink to physically die. I don't actually think they're that realistic, you know. You can right. you can survive on water alone for weeks. So, right.
0: you know, I right. I
1: don't know how much I believe them anyhow. And we've talked about them before, but I do think it, the proof is in the pudding when so many people are now playing this early access Steam game presumably because it lacks those things.
0: Right. Yeah. Um, You know, and I had seen, um, I'd seen some news on Warcraft, uh, World of Warcraft losing, like they're cut in half, their subscriptions cut in half, Uh, like people who had canceled since. I mean, this was, apparently this was, uh, this latest expansion was one of the most popular in in the history of the, the game. Yeah, so there's I think there's been a mass exodus uh, from what I have read in the news that that uh, from World of Warcraft and and just anecdotally I know I've said this uh, on a previous episode as well, but what they're doing in Valheim I guess making things, learning from the past and 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 other survival games and uh, kind of eliminating maybe some of the hurdles or the things that were the least amount of fun from those, um, I I, I swear I think that. They streamlined this whole process with World of Warcraft Warcraft so much that they lost sight, I think, of what made it so cool, this lived-in world. And this latest expansion makes it to where you don't have to, which is great for people who are trying to just get from point A to point B. And, you know, I just want to play the the newest content. And then they've created the World of Warcraft um, classic, so that you can actually, okay, you don't want this, we'll go play the old version of it. There's nowhere in between, whereas there used to be, before this, you could play a classic, you could also like play the new content, or if you just wanted to do pet battles, or you just wanted to go enjoy old content, you could just spend all of your time doing that. With the newest expansion, you are removed from, there is no reason to go back to any of the old content, like ever at this point. You're stuck in in the shadowlands, and even even then, what made the Burning Crusade great was the fact that you were actually in a world that was connect. All the lands were connected. Yeah, so once you that was got great. to the yeah, and and so Burning Crusades was that way. Miss the Pandaria was that way. You would go to that world, and then you could kind of traverse and go from place to place. And then when you got flying, you could fly to those places. Well, now you can you actually are stuck in your little fiefdom and you do everything in your little zone. Then if I want to go to another zone, I have to find a flight path and then it will take me to that zone, but there's nothing that connects it. They're just like, it's like this floating world in the, in the ether where there's no borders. You just kind of have to, you have to go to a flight path that will take you to the next place. And so you feel very disconnected. The whole world feels very disconnected. It's cool content. But it makes the world so much smaller that it's just, to me, it's just not enjoyable. It's not that much fun. It's like, okay, well, I'm, I am I don't want to do this right now. I don't want to start a string of dailies. I just want to go do something over here and, and just kind of mess around in a dungeon or maybe get some transmog stuff. Or, which, granted, if I wanted to, I could set my Hearthstone to a place and actually do all that stuff. And it wouldn't be as hard. But then that makes doing new content harder. So, yeah. I, like I said, anyway, I think there's just a huge disconnect between the new stuff and, and the rest of the 14 or 15 years of content that they've put out there. And, uh, it's, to me, it's not fun. And that I was one of those people that canceled my subscription, you know? Hmm. So, and I don't, I may jump back on it just like I did with Hearthstone. I don't know. We'll see. Um, well,
1: you must not be the only one that feels that way. If a lot of people are exiting,
0: a lot of people are. And so, uh, but i'm not saying it's dead or anything i would never say that i think the game is still too too strong for that but i can tell you i think that's to at least to me that's why i'm so disappointed that's why i, I uh, unsubbed personally so but but i think that anyway to tie it all together i think that's why valheim might be so popular right now is cuz they figured out and learned and actually did something that the that the majority of the crowd actually enjoys instead of catering to the to the elite you know so (sighs) who knew we'd get political all right (laughs) we're about to get more political (laughs) that brings us to our main (laughs) topic. That does that does all right so all right so uh since we last recorded there have been a few uh big uh announcements one of which was with with bioware's anthem and them deciding to uh, more or less pull the plug on an already struggling uh, body, so to speak. To put it metaphorically. So, a game that was delivered almost exclusively on problem, uh, on promises, mm. right? So, this was a game that, that did not have any or very few of the bells and whistles that it was supposed to have when it came out. And uh, and now is not going to get any of the things, you know. So, um. Won't you give us some, uh, I guess a little bit of background and then we'll, we'll, we'll go into all the nooks and crannies and caveats that this actually may affect in the future and, and at what it's affecting right now, really.
1: Yeah. So, um, Anthem had planned, I believe four acts of further development from day one of the game release right um <laughs> which you can have your opinions on whether or not that should be the case full stop, but you know it is where it is. that's a um, whole
0: other episode.
1: and they only ever released one of them to my knowledge uh and I believe I played that one because it was released really late as well. And I, I think I came to the game like nearly a year after release. I didn't mind Anthem. A lot of people hated it. I didn't mind it. I thought it was quite relaxing, but,
0: and you've said that many times. Yeah, but
1: it was bereft of content. Like I can see where people are coming from. So you've got that coming from Bioware and they're saying, we don't have the bandwidth to do it. We want to focus on dragon age and the next mass effect. And, you know, basically screw Anthem and the patient player base that I'm sure does exist. Um, Right. Then shortly around that same time, Google um, shut its Stadia internal development studio. So promising all these games that people have bought the Stadia, they've shuttered that studio now. And then of course, we're all aware that 2 million refunds have now been issued on Cyberpunk 2077. I think they sold 12 million at launch. So 2 million of those have have been returned. It just feels like these days we're getting more promises and a lot less delivery than ever before. And I remember when devs missed one thing out of their promises, we used to kick off, at least in the MMORPG community, they used to do like a teaser patch notes for what they were going to do with the next release and everyone would pour over them and that was like a covenant. And if they missed even one thing off of it, the player base demanded an explanation for it. A lot of times people would cancel their subs or leave or whatever. Um, And I think um, we don't really talk about the broken covenants with console developers as much um, or PC developers as much, namely because both of those media, you have like such a small return window usually and how we have allowed this to, happen i think is worth a discussion and furthermore like are these developers actually violating the local laws and jurisdictions now you'll find that cyberpunk 2077 was found in a court of law in australia to actually violate consumer protections and that's why they were forced to offer refunds and that isn't the first time that they've been that a game developer has been forced to offer refunds in australia now australia has similar levels of of um Uh, legal recourse as the EU and oftentimes when Australia wins something they just give it to the EU anyway because they know we have like almost identical laws so to save themselves a lawsuit just to offer refunds here as well Um, I did some research on the US consumer protections laws because to be honest I haven't lived there for a decade and things might have changed they haven't the US isn't nearly as good as the EU when it comes to your consumer protections Um, It's regulated by state governments and state courts like the attorney general of each state would take up um, lawsuits against uh, and class action filings against particular companies that have done you dirty. But whether or not a specific thing is illegal uh, tends to depend on the state in which you're in. So that's quite annoying. It's not like the EU. The EU uh, law, which I believe Applies to this case is the as described ruling, which basically means that whatever you get must match the description given to you by the manufacturer or any models or samples that you were shown at the time of purchase. So the fact that all these trailers and in game footage and blah, blah, blah are all still live all over their social media, like on YouTube, yada, yada, you can still find all these samples that aren't real, um, I think violates the as described ruling. And I think there is a lot of grounds for consumers to demand more accountability, demand refunds or recourse because they're actually not getting what they're being promised. And especially in the case of things like Anthem and Cyberpunk and even Stadia to a certain degree, they had a published on their website development queue um, they could be liable for this. So I realized that was a giant brain dump. <laughs> so what is what is your feeling about, do you feel like it's getting worse first off?
0: Right. Oh yeah, absolutely. 100% getting worse. Uh, I think they're just taking inch by inch. Uh, again, look, this is not, this is not political. This is this is this is business. This is what has been happening business wise. I've said it since as as early as I can remember on this show. You know, I didn't like and do not like uh, digital goods. I do not. I don't. Un- I don't understand. I I know why you do, and I know the convenience factor that most people have. You know, with it, I I'm guilty of it. I have downloaded, but what I've had to do with myself is reconcile. I don't own that, and neither do you. If you think you do, you're fooling yourself. We don't own these things. And so anything you've had to download digitally and store on a hard drive, uh, if it's had any kind of DRM, if it's got any kind of connection to the internet, you do not own it, and, and you never will. And as soon as they turn off any kind of server that supports it, uh, or any kind of patch that might be needed or if you don't update it or if you do accidentally update it now you can't play it without them. So you know they're finding ways around uh, and, I, and I think it didn't really dawn on me it didn't actually it didn't actually register I think to the degree that it has now until I just went and tried to get downloadable music. I'm talking about like I wanted to own my own digital music that I could download and put on my phone or on my computer. And if I wanted to, I could burn a CD. What's that? Look it up. Um, you know, that's the, that's the
1: 2000s. Wanted... They called and they want their iTunes back.
0: <laughs> exactly. Well, yeah, but it, it, it made me so damn mad that I could not find a reputable website to download digital music that I could have. Right. That, that was mine. They were like, no, there's this streaming service or this streaming service. And this streaming service I was like, no, 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 no. You don't understand. I had that with Rhapsody in 2003. I could I could stream music for $9 a month. I don't want to do that. Because as soon as I stop doing that, I can't listen to the music that I just downloaded. I want the music for myself. So when I found out how hard it was to actually find there is there is no iTunes anymore. Google Play switched to Google Music or YouTube Music. So... It's like there there aren't there are I think still websites that you can do it, but I haven't. There tried are some
1: it. illegal methods to do that, <laughs> right?
0: And that's what I'm saying. Like, I, and even even some of the artists now they'll they'll let you uh, buy CDs, you know. And I, I I always go back and I try to rationalize it this way as well. When I would buy a CD, if I had that CD and eventually it got scratched, well, that CD was no longer good. I had to go buy a new CD. I couldn't play any of that music so i eventually had to go buy a record would be the same way so i think of it that in those terms uh so if i if something happened and the and the and the data got corrupted on that i would just have to get another one i just have to buy it again if that were the case and i was cool with that I, I understood that but this is different what they're doing now is different um and they're selling us well i guess in the united states we're not even protected from it but they're selling us uh you know incomplete goods it's not even the actual game uh that they originally state and and they're selling it on a promise and there is no there is no guarantee you're going to get any of the things you know we're uh we're just i guess so uh, passively engaged in this that we're like oh okay well that's it that's the that's what the the company said they're going to do it's coming out soon i just superficially glanced at all the information and here's my money and uh that is no way to uh to be a consumer unfortunately and that's but that is what is happening
1: that's what they want you to do
0: absolutely don't read don't do any of this other stuff uh just give us your money and we'll eventually give you the rest of it
1: You know, know, I actually managed to get a refund on Cyberpunk 2077 as a digital copy that I had completed. And I don't think under any normal circumstances I would have been able to, you know, but because so many people were already unhappy with Cyberpunk, they were forced to offer refunds from the Australian government. They realized the EU government was going to be exactly the same. They just decided to open um, blanket refunds. You know, I was able to beat the game and then return it. I would have never returned it if I had been satisfied with the game ending. And, you know, I I realize you probably still haven't beaten it yet. Many people who listen to this... And I don't know that I will. Yeah. Listen, many people who listen to this podcast will have beaten it by now. Yeah. Tell me that you were actually satisfied. That you felt that they put enough into that ending... Like they did into the very first series of missions. Because the very first series of missions lulls you into such a false sense of security about how deep and well thought out this world is going to be. And it's like it drops in quality in escalating rapidity from about the middle of the game till the end. You know, where they just really stop building out characters, stop walking things through. There's no interactivity with other people when you go back and visit them later. You know, I had what I thought was an enduring romantic relationship with a character in the game. Turns out he has like six dialogue options and that's it. And once you exhaust those, he just stares at you like he's never met you before. And yet, at some key parts in the game, he'll send you text messages and whatever about how much he misses you, or yada, yada. And then you show up to be like, oh, you said you missed me. Like, do you have nothing? That he has nothing else to say. Do you know? And that is so yeah. frustrating to me. I was so angry. And I remember watching all the press releases, all their little like uh PR events on YouTube. Every single trailer I could get my hands on. There was pre-order stuff. You could have gotten a whole console skinned in this terrible game. What a shame. Do you know? What a shame. And I think there has got to be repercussions for that. Refunds aren't really enough if you think about it, because that doesn't teach them they can't do it. They still sold 10 million. They're still 10 right. million people who were like, uh, I mean, was it the best? But it is what it is. You yeah, know, there were still 10 million people that was willing to accept that. I wasn't one of them. Yeah. I I even right. bought it after the fact. I didn't buy it on day one. I read the reviews. And I said, oh, I think I could tolerate that. And the only thing right. that made me so super angry was the ending of the game. I said, actually, you know what? I shouldn't have to. You know?
0: Yeah.
1: I shouldn't have to. We shouldn't have that to. That is it. Uh-
0: feeling i feel like i know you well enough that that had to be bad like it had to be really bad because you know of, of a lot of the games that we have mutually finished uh for an ending to be that bad uh that you would that you'd be like no, no no i feel like this warrants I would not have done this in any other circumstance, but that's trash.
1: Mm. I was fine with Mass Effect 3. Like, you know, all the other endings that everybody else has said was absolute trash garbage. I was fine with, you know, like allow them to tell the authentic story. They didn't tell this story. They got to the end and they gave up. And that was so upsetting because I had been meticulous believing that they would have thought through enough to create an ending that made all that effort worth it. And they did not
0: Yeah. Yeah, man, it just opens up so many caveats because obviously this is a, this was not an issue with the Witcher. I mean, there were, there were bugs, there are bugs in all of these really big games, you know, but I mean, that's a part of it. It's, it's hard to find them all. And most of them aren't game breaking so it's you know or or they don't take you completely out of it so much that you're like well i can't i just can't i can't play this game you know uh that's just too silly or whatever and and but the bigger these companies get the more i think they lose sight of really what it was that was important to begin with i know that's the case and has been for maybe eight years maybe longer um with with uh blizzard games you know um all of the big creative minds that were part of some of these companies that have made some of these beloved games that, uh, that we love. I think they've lost control of it. They've lost control of the beast and, and these big companies have, and, and it comes back to something I know that Jim Sterling said on his show about the, these, uh, this, this game essentially that, that companies are playing where they have, they're, they're trying to make all of the money. Like they're making all of the money,
1: all of the and money, all the of way, the time,
0: <laughs> all of the time. And the way that they make all of the money is by doing that, that uh, metaphor, that, that analogy where you, you cut, you cut three inches off of a blanket to sew it to the other end, you know? So let's fire 300 people. We're saving salary and, but we'll give some of that salary to these people to make it look like we've you know, we've made more profits, like there's infinite profits to make and there's just not what, what is it? What is, what is acceptable growth? What's acceptable to a a company, you know, to, you know, you cannot make all of the money, you know, uh, or make more money. That's unsustainable growth. Um, And so I think anyway, that, that all brings us back to this point, you know, like, is this, is this the future Uh, you know of games is this what we're what we have to look forward to um is it even illegal at which you said you know in 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 a large portion of the world yes and enforceable uh and unfortunately here maybe we're too distracted and and just you know just because consuming is our national pastime um we'll give it we'll give it a pass and just have to go on you know the solution is is a little bit more com- complicated to coordinate. I think, unfortunately.
1: Yeah, I think that I think that's fair. Um, I think the challenge that I would offer is, for the majority of people, spending sixty dollars or seventy dollars on a game is not going to represent a huge portion of their entertainment budget. You know, just based on the average income in the U.S. 70 bucks isn't going to break the bank, especially when they're only purchasing a game maybe 12 times per year top. So like one new game a month, that seems to be the sort of purchasing habits that I believe exist based on no data other than my own gut intuition.
0: Anecdotal. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But that being said, there is a huge swath of the population. It naturally follows based on the law of averages, where that is the only entertainment budget that they had. Yeah, And they're the people right. who can't afford to fight these battles. They're the people who can't afford to insist on a refund. You know, they're the people who don't have a voice who don't have legal resource, who can't get representation, who are spending70 dollars on something like anthem with the promise that they're gonna have years worth of a game in that one purchase, only to be disappointed you know there are people who invested in a cloud-based gaming platform to have freedom that are disappointed and there are people who right. bought cyberpunk and a whole skinned brand new xbox that are disappointed and they have no recourse because they represent the minority of the population where this is their only entertainment spend. and i think sometimes it's really important to remember those people because on the opposite end, there's a group of very wealthy people who aren't saying anything, because $70 is nothing and being bored by it and playing it for two minutes and throwing it in the bin means nothing. Those are the people who actually have the ability to enact change. They're the people with the lawyers and the businesses and the consumer groups who could form class action lawsuits. Those are the rich gamers who are the whales in these businesses who could actually stand up and take everyone else under the wing and say, we've decided something else. And they're not doing anything either because they don't care enough because the cost of games is not a big enough portion of their spin. So it's almost like we have a catch 22 where the people who could help, it doesn't cost them enough money. It doesn't cause them enough pain to get them to act. And the people who can't do anything, it causes them so much pain, but they have no recourse. And then the rest of us yeah. in the middle are just like, Hmm. If it's really bothersome, we'll say something, but other than we'll probably just be like, "Ah, oh, chalk it up to bugs and move on, you know?
0: Right, right. Yeah, so, um, oh man, you know... Yeah, I don't. I don't know. Like, that, do you that, uh, do you
1: believe that when they put out this these PR, these game specs, and they give interviews, do you believe they should be held to account for what they're saying? Do you think that that is actually advertising and a product description?
0: Absolutely, absolutely. If you go on record or go into the public and you say it's going to be like this, it's what Peter Molyneux used to do all the time, <laughs> and he oh. you know he'd write write checks that he can't cash, unfortunately, and. There's a way to say it where it's like, this is what we want to do. We're hoping to bring this to you and this, this, you know, our, our goal is, and see, there's a way to frame it that way. Don't make these promises that you can't, that you just can't.
1: Or do a blizzard and just say no. Like blizzard famously rarely tells us when things are going to come out because they don't want to have to lie to us about it. Um, Blizzard famously never tells us, I think what they've said twice a release date, because they don't want to be held to that. That's the way to do it. Listen, people are only going to be mad when you break your promises. They're not going to be mad when you say, hey, listen, I'm not going to tell you because I don't want to break my word.
0: Right, right. And at the very least, even if they are mad, because uh you know you did not deliver what they wanted you to deliver you uh, you said as much you're like look this is what we're this is our goal this is what we want to do we didn't say that's what we would do we were just doing all everything in our power to deliver that you know and i think that's a, that's just an that's an important first step i don't i don't think that's going to happen i really don't i don't think anything is going to change unfortunately until the consumers change until we change and until we change the way we buy we change the standard that we hold them to um that we're you know educated enough about what it is that we're that we want and that what we're willing to actually put up with um you know i'll i'll i am wary of any game that's got in in in-game purchases now any game and i have been for years in fact, it is a first red flag that may prevent me from ever purchasing a game if it's got in-game purchases. Uh, I'm 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 wary of of games that uh, that have attacked on um, multiplayer. I'm I'm or or that don't seem to put the effort into the single player. In fact, uh, any game that that just that seems to be a a uh, oh what is the the equivalent. It's Not just a battle royale, but there are games where I guess it's um massive multiplayer, but it's where there is no narrative, it's essentially, ju- it's right. essentially
1: just right, just a, an online multiplayer only sort of thing,
0: right? And and so there's there is it's well, Fallout 76 is a good example of that. It's where there, this is here's a shell of a game, Anthem ended up being one of those, it's a shell of a game it doesn't really have anything but like a hub and a bunch of ideas and eventually things that could pay out and pay off if they actually developed it. And they didn't, they didn't start out that way. You know, they didn't start out to deliver uh, that single player experience. And so I'm, I think I'm fortunate because I do only, I did really, or I'm only drawn to that type of game. I'm only really drawn to the single player experience. Uh, And so it's easy for me to not, You know, get really excited about uh, a lot of these games because they they're they're there like the division to they've got a single player, but it's that's not really the draw. That's not why people are there. And, uh, And and so because of that, it's like, well, that's not tempting to me. But for so many other people, they get into it and they realize I can't even play this game if I don't spend more money than I've already spent just trying to buy the game. You know, I didn't buy an experience. I I bought an opportunity to actually get to experience the game, you know, and that's um, that's the most unfortunate part of this. You don't even really get to enjoy the game, at least in a game like Hearthstone or Magic the Gathering. I can play for a few hours and, and earn enough cards for free just for playing the game. That's a few hours of of my time and doing something that I really enjoyed and I didn't have to spend any money. Then you can say, yeah. "Well, I've I've got enough time in on this game. Okay, I think I'm willing to invest a little bit of money in it, and and uh, see how good I can get, and and then kind of go from there. And as long as it's in good faith from that point forward, that they're not just rehashing and recycling cards just to make money. Uh, you know, which there's a degree of that, but as long as it's not you know flagrant <laughs> uh, or <laughs> too obvious." Then I'm willing to continue to do that. That's how they keep the servers up. That's how they keep the ideas fresh. They keep iterating on it, and I think that that's worth a little bit of money. Um, But it's gonna, it will take a change from the consumer. We have to be the ones that make the difference, and and just not support those companies. We don't give them our money, you know. Um, But the bad thing is, and this goes back to the news, is some of these companies end up buying the little companies. Uh, and then the ones that are making the games that we do like to play that are still staying true to you know what was originally so enjoyable. Uh, and then ruining those games as well, unfortunately.
1: Yeah, I think it just makes sense to make sure that you insist on your rights when you're spending money at all in a game you know if if you bought a microtransaction you didn't get the thing it didn't transfer it you would open a support ticket so i don't understand why we allow a lot more of these broken promises to go through unchecked i think we should do more about it they seem to really hate it when they get review bombed so maybe that is an effective way to get their attention which is
0: so interesting
1: (laughs) Um, you know, that that could be an effective way to get their attention. You know, you obviously could um, always take a legal route, you could complain enough squeaky wheels sometimes do get the grease. So you may be able to get money back on a specific case. But I think also not being the first to give your trust back when a company has proven that they don't deserve it. You know, I'm going to take my time purchasing the next Bioware title because the last few Bioware releases have been dodgy, you know? So right. what is the quality of that studio anymore? They've sort of ruined my goodwill. Um,
0: no, that's true.
1: And and probably the same thing with CD Projekt Red, you know? I'll wait and see what the reviews have to say about the next Witcher before right. I jump on the bandwagon.
0: Well, and and <sighs> I mean that that brings up another good point. Is just how much was, how much, or how do those reviews actually tie in? To, because I know that uh, that I've read review scores are tied to bonuses, and so like if you have a high enough review score, uh, then you know the executive cabinet or the stock sh- shareholders or maybe even the the employees get a get a bonus, um, which just seems like a such a bad way to tie money to you know the 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 success of the game which obviously that is a indicative of the success at least to some extent but um something that can be controlled by the mob so easily like if you just as it it has happened before you go in and review bomb a a game and uh, you get enough people enough because most people that buy it are not going to go do a review they just don't that's just not how it works But if 10 percent of them did and 8 percent of those went in angry uh, because they've organized in some way, well, then, you know, it may not be indicative, but it's enough to hurt your bottom dollar. You know, so there's just a lot of things that are really broken about it. And and it will come down to being responsible consumers, doing a little bit of the research, not not putting up with uh, the business practices as they currently stand. Uh, and and you know, holding these companies accountable when it's possible, you know, when when the opportunity arises and they don't deliver, and not not only do they not deliver, but they're criminally criminally negligent in the way that they do actually deliver. You know, they willfully withhold, uh, you know, or or hide the information in the code, but and then sell it to you later. Uh, you know, it's just.
1: The outrage seems to work for hardware manufacturers. I just find it so weird that it doesn't work when it comes to game. Like how much did we kick off about digital only Xbox one and they changed their mind? Do you know? Right. Like and everything, it was going to be online, mandatory digital only, no disc drive. The Xbox one that sit in my house has none of those characteristics. Do you know? Right. So obviously if, if we are loud enough things will change. We just haven't been applying it to game development because I think we're allowing that little subscript at the bottom doesn't represent real in-game footage or like, this is free beta beta. We're letting them get away with that, but that's the only stuff they're ever showing us before we buy it. So no, you know?
0: Right. And yeah. So you don't own it. (laughs) If it's, if it streams, you don't own it. If if it is if it has DRM or must be connected to the internet, you do not own it. So just because you can play it right now and just because you're getting your fix, understand you don't own it. And and uh, at any moment it could go away. And just because you paid money for it, uh, you you were you rented it.
1: Yeah, I Not mean every that. game purchase is really just a rental. I recommend people just right straight up rent their games from a service like Gamefly or Boat Game right. Boomerang, one of the other ones, like, you know, <laughs> just do that. I did that for a decade.
0: Hey, at least they they at least they know what they're doing. Like, yeah. you know, they're like, well, no, or I, I don't or get I the in. game
1: pass. It's very honest that the catalog is gonna change, you know?
0: Right. Not only is it gonna change, uh, but you know, you you know When it's over or you stop paying, it tells you, you know, you can't play these games anymore. At least it's being upfront about it. Um, But that's even if you can stream them. Like I said, I I can't even stream them and I've got really good internet. Some of the games, in fact, I have yet to be able to stream a game. Even inside. I tried to stream inside. So we're that's talking about it. It's so weird
1: because I can stream I on my mobile phone, but I just don't have you have to have a controller for it, and I just don't have right. the controller. Who? Yeah. Well. <laughs> I clicked a weird button. I'm still getting used to this platform. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's all I have to say on the matter. I just think yeah. we need to stand up and hold them accountable for what they say. I'm not accepting these postscripts anymore. It's not good enough. If they're not going to show us the real actual game and that's all they've shown us, then that's what the game should be. Cause we never saw any of those bugs with cyberpunk and we never saw any real development on Anthem. There was one act. The other ones didn't even have names. Come on. Do you know?
0: Right. Right. No, if you get a chance um, for cyberpunk specifically, anybody who was a fan of x-play back in the day uh go check out adam Sessler uh on x-play the website they they they're they're coming back uh g4 tv is coming back and uh, adam Sessler did a video review it was like the first thing he did kind of back in gaming and on kind of mainstream wise and it's hilarious it's a really funny video of all of the bugs and apparently, a, a a pretty in-depth review of every location that a dildo is found. Lovely uh, in the which is just that's a to lot. Me, it's just really funny because it's a lot. Yeah, I did not realize how much, um, and so you know, to that extent, um, I was I was unaware. Haven't gotten that far into the game, but anyway, it's really funny. He goes into a lot of the bugs, uh, and if you were a fan of X Play, then it's definitely worth. Worth a Google. Worth checking out on YouTube. So. Well, that wraps up this episode of Retro Rebel. I want to thank Amanda for this week's discussion. All the notes from this week's episode will be posted on our site, KimballPeak.com. If you'd like to add to the discussion or reach out with questions, sound off in the comments or message us on Facebook or Instagram at Retro Rebel Podcast. And please head over to wherever you get your podcasts and rate us because that's the way Until the next time.
1: See you later.